This is the English Street Podcast. I'm Sianna Bowers. On today's show, we feature an alumni spotlight on Jillian Benedict, class of 2014, who talks about the impact COVID-19 had on her writing life, the launch of an Instagram account to feature her short-form writing, the progress she is making during National Novel Writing Month, and her involvement in the local writing community. Jill also reads a sampling of her new work. We are here with Jill Benedict. Welcome to the English Suite. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2014. I was an English and creative writing double major, and I was very involved on campus. I think if it was anything remotely related to English or writing, I was there. I was the editor-in-chief of the Blue Root for, I think, two years, a few years, and I was a reader on staff before then. And um, I was also a reader and then I want to say managing editor for Widener Inc. as well. And even I was there when it switched from the Pioneer Review to Widener Inc. So oh, were you there for that? The <laughs> I was. Cool. Yes, I was there for the rebranding. There's that. And I was in the English club for a little bit as well. But yeah, so I kind of did anything and everything I could to be involved with my majors, and it has proven fruitful all these years later. <laughs> and what are you doing for work these days? Because I know a lot of like current English and creative writing majors might be wondering, what am I going to do with this degree when I get out of college? <laughs> is, is there a future for me in the, in the professional world? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, the one thing that I always liked about having those degrees was that it's a good general degree to have, first of all. And also there is the implication that you can read and write well, which this might surprise people, but it's not always the case. Not everyone knows how to read well and write well and put those ideas together and communicate them effectively, which, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory with this degree. Um, So currently I am a proposal consultant for group insurance for a Fortune 100 company, so corporate America. But I'm using the skills I, you know, cultivated when I was in school, doing the things I love to make a living now, and that's pretty great. <laughs> and you know, to fill that creative itch, I write on the side and I read a lot. <laughs> so that's great. And you've been at this company for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, almost four years in March. So a long time. Yes. And but now currently since the pandemic, you've been working at home. Yeah, I've been working at home essentially when we shut down. So two years ago. It, yeah. It's like a year and a half, two years. It's it all. Yeah, I round up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've been at home for a while. And I, I think like at some point after that all started I, I checked in with you i was kind of like emailing some people just to say how are you doing and like at some point i gathered that you were writing again and yes. and i think you were taking my sense of it was you were taking advantage of the at-home time to mm-hmm. to reboot your writing life and and ever since then you've been really um cooking mm-hmm. with gas as they say right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I took a little hiatus for a few years and got back to it during the pandemic. Because as you said, like I had the time to really sit with myself and 
try to make it a productive period of time for me. And I was curious as to whether writing was like riding a bicycle. And I'm like, well, let me just see if I still have it. And it is, you're a little rusty to start, but the foundation's still there, which was very exciting. But it just kind of out of a time where there felt like there was so little meaning and so many things that really gave me a sense of direction and really helped ground me in a big way. So yeah, it's become one of the most important things in my life since then. What kind of stuff have you been working on? So I really like realistic fiction. Um, but recently I've started to write realistic fiction, just sort of put a little, I don't want to say surreal, but an unconventional spin on things, I guess. So I'll just have a question in my mind and sort of figure out how I can apply that to a story that's still set in the real world. It's just a little, little bit different. And that's been fun and challenging for me. And I've also been writing a lot more about family stuff and sort of what we mean to one another as people. And that's been really interesting as well. I'm actually currently working on NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. So I'm trying to write 50,000 words in the month of November. And that novel I'm working on, I hesitate to say novel because it is, you know, a woofer. It's rough, but... um, But yeah, it deals with some of those things. So that's sort of where I'm at right now. And I guess in a way, I'm also trying to explore new styles and whatnot and things like that. Because I feel like since I started writing again, I, it feels a little bit like I started over, like I have a lot to learn. So, which I guess you never stop learning, but it's true. yeah, so it's a fun time for me. <laughs> Cool. So it sounds like you have a lot of time to play and mm-hmm. experiment and, and try some new things out. Yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> well, how's the NaNoWriMo going? How, what are you keeping pace? I am keeping pace. I hit 17,000 words today. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I sort of calculate ahead of time where like, Oh, 30 days, 50,000 words. How many words? what I need in any given day. And it's like a little under 1700. And because I'm a human person, I know there will be days where I don't write as much or don't want to. So instead, I just try to write 2000 words Monday through Friday. And then whatever happens on the weekends, if I could write a 1000 words on Saturday and a 1000 words on Sunday, that would be ideal. Although like last Sunday, I didn't write at all. So, and I felt real guilty about it, (laughs) but I'm still on pace. (laughs) Well, I'm also attempting NaNoWriMo Mm -hmm. this month. I, um, there's a novel I've been working on for, I don't even want to admit how many years (laughs) I've lost count of how it's just, just like the endless novel that just will not Mm -hmm. congeal for me, but I keep coming back to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm nowhere near to your word count. I think I'm at 8,500, 9,000 words, somewhere in there. That's but still a I'm, good count. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> but I, but the, but I have written every day in November, mm-hmm. and it seems to me like for some reason, like nighttime is a good time for me to like get around to my mm-hmm. NaNoWriMo stuff. I don't know why. 
because I typically am more of a morning person with creative work. Mm -hmm. But if it works, it works. So I, I sort of settle down around eight, nine o'clock and just kind of mm -hmm. bang away for a while. But I, I, I find like I can't quite, I can't even get close to 2000 a day. It's more like mm -hmm. 800 to 1000 is, is actually a good day for me. Yeah. Um, and then I, for some reason, I peter out. But mm -hmm. I will say the 2000 words a day is tough. And I do not sit down and write it all at one time. That's a big thing for me. Like and I that, try not. Yeah. yeah. And I try not to stress about it. So a lot of times what I'll do is so I'm a morning person as well. And I really tried to lean into it with nano. So I wake up at like 5am. <laughs> But so what I'll do is I'll like wake up and I'll write, you know, hopefully 500 words. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's a little more. And then I'll go to the gym and then I'll come back, shower, whatever, write a little bit more, make coffee, write a little bit more. So oh, good. I, yeah. And it may not always be the best flow to get into. I mean, that being said, when I am on a roll, I just let it happen. But it does help make it more manageable for me, especially if I'm at like 1300 words and I'm like, oh, you got just do like 200 more words. You can get 200 in and then you write 200 and you're like, you know what? That's like two paragraphs. That's not that bad. <laughs> you can do a few more of these. So it's a lot of self-talk. <laughs> I'm doing all mine in like sort of one spurt, like per mm -hmm. evening. But I did. Mm -hmm. I did think like, well, if I did, if I chipped away at this in the morning, I, I would definitely boost my word count, but I'm not, I'm not actually shooting for a word count with NaNoWriMo. Yeah. It's, it's more about mm -hmm. kind of exploring a different point of view from one of the characters. I won't get into the whole thing. It's, it's been pretty productive for me. And it, I, I do feel like I'm getting into, I guess what they call a flow state mm -hmm. when I, when I sit down to write there's a little bit of inertia at first it's like oh i have to do this again like uh, mm -hmm. you know i want to take a day off but once i start it's just boom it just kind of starts coming mm -hmm. out and there's something nice about nanorimo that way the few times that i've I've, mm -hmm. I've attempted it, it is it kind of just pushes you forward it just pushes you yeah. forward and you just want to keep writing and you don't look back mm -hmm right yeah. no don't look back because that's like the kiss <laughs> of death because you'll see like all the garbage that you wrote yeah like that's for later that's for december right yeah but it really is garbage november <laughs> yeah november is just all about like finding the story and pushing yeah. forward and finding voice and mm -hmm. just like kind of exploring it and yeah exactly if i can and i struggle with first drafts to begin with that is always the worst i hate it it takes me forever and my only aim is to have a strong through line because once you get the first draft done, you can do whatever you want with it. And that makes it so much less intimidating to me. Once mm -hmm. it's down that first draft, I'm like, oh, I can fix this. <laughs> I have a lot of confidence in myself, I guess. How much do you outline your fiction before you start a first draft? So not much usually which sometimes i'll mull it over for a while in my brain and usually it's hit or miss i have one story i'm working on that i had an idea and i started writing it and it felt like the scope was so much bigger than i had expected and i was just trying to finish it and it is garbage it is not good 
And for the second draft, which I'm currently working on now, I realized like I just put in way too much stuff. Like it just does not need to be that complicated. And just in the first six pages I have, I've parsed it down immensely. And in my brain, I just know like, okay, you don't need to go into this whole, like, you're not writing the next Game of Thrones. You don't need this much <laughs> world building. You don't need all of this stuff. You know, you can get away without it. But then I have other stories where it's really conducive to just mull it over. And then I sit and write it down. And even though it's not a great story because it's the first draft, the through line's there. And it's much more cohesive. And I feel much better about it. Um, for NaNoWriMo, I did more, I did actual planning, although I did, it's more of a rough outline <laughs> um, because I want to have the space in the story built in to let it go where it needs to go and not feel like I'm stuck or that I wrote myself into a corner because it's not going to this very specific place. But I also knew that I couldn't just let it happen totally organically or I would have been so lost in the weeds. It's just too big of a project for that for me. Yeah, I did a little bit of prep uh, myself before NaNoWriMo mm -hmm. where I've, I've, I've attempted with this like endless novel, I've attempted many times scene outlines and things like that nature. Mm -hmm. And that's helped a little bit, but then like one outline leads to another outline and it just proliferates. Mm -hmm. But one thing that seems to have helped recently is I made a spreadsheet where I've got like various characters and I want to tell their mm -hmm. stories and I basically created a timeline for each okay. character. So I had like kind of chronologies and like mm -hmm. key, key dates going through the years and then kind mm -hmm. of plot points or just like events that happen in each character's life. Cause I, I can't keep it straight. Like the, yeah, people who have never attempted a novel. It's like the hardest thing ever. It's because so it's hard. it's like it's like you have to juggle all these balls in the air and remember mm -hmm. everything it's like it's it's all it's it's very daunting yeah it is and the first couple of days like the first week i was like oh this is fine and now i'm getting into it further and into the different characters and i'm like this is a lot <laughs> i don't know how i feel about this why did I do this? <laughs> yeah, and it's tough. And I find like I forget things like, you know, exactly. 17,000 words in and I'm like, wait, did I mention that thing? Oh, I'll just slap a note in here and hope that I come back to it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would help to have an admin like you need an admin. Yeah, to just kind of assist and keep keep records. And everything. Yes. So but yeah. But the, this timeline is helping because then it, I kind of like sort of refer back to it when I, mm -hmm. I kind of it gives me sort of a target to move forwards to. I don't yeah. know if that's what you mean by your through line. It may be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, that's yeah. and it is just finding like the central core bare bones story that's in there. But in addition to this longer form fiction, you've been working in some very shorter forms. Do you want to talk about your in Instagram oh, yeah. Uh, venture? <laughs> yeah. So I, I know a lot of writers have blogs and I know you have your Substack subscription and just your newsletter. 
And, you know, so much of it is just trying to get our names out there, which is why we try to submit work and everything anyway. And I had a few people suggest that I write a blog. And I'm like, Ugh. but the thing with the blog is that I'd feel like I'd have to make it substantial enough to make it fill the blog space. So like a thousand words or something, which isn't much, but as we all know, when you're not feeling it, a thousand words can feel like everything. It's just, it's so daunting. And so instead I'm like, well, maybe I'll just have a second Instagram and I'll essentially slap whatever I want on there. And, you know, I'm being a little uh, flippant, but I'm sure you've had this happen where you, you start to have descriptions, like develop descriptions throughout the course of the day of a person or a thing, or you hear a little piece of dialogue and these little, I think of them as little, like, like doodles Mm -hmm. that I just have. And I'm like, well, I might return to these, but what if I don't? And I just have these little creative pieces, just what in a folder somewhere that seems wasteful. So when I was emailing this Instagram, I'm like, Oh, I'll just, that's what I'll do. I'll just put these in there. So that's what I do. <laughs> and it's all stuff that I like, and I, I don't want to say feel strongly about, cause there are some that I think are stronger than others, but it's all stuff that I think is good enough that I can stand behind and put on my Instagram page. And it's kind of just for me. And if people like it, if people find me, that's great. And if they don't, that's fine. (laughs) And it's been a fun little project. I enjoy doing it. And what, and you, it seems like you confine your posts to one Instagram photos. Like some people will do like, multi-page um posts i guess they yes right? but you uh do you, is that intentional like usually like it's, it's got to fit on one on one instagram photo yeah that is intentional there have been a few longer ones where i knew it would it might fit a little bit better if it was on two pages but i guess i think of it a lot like like i had a journalism class in high school and they always the teacher told me that in the first paragraph of any journal article, you want to have like who, what, where, when, why, and how, because readers will start to lose focus as you go down the journal, go down the article. And I feel the same way, I guess, about Instagram posts. Like as soon as you have to swipe over, you just slowly lose interest, even in creative work. So I try to put it all on one slide. Even when people are posting vacation photos, you just kind of oh, yeah. <laughs> quickly slide through those last three or four, you know, like, okay, another mountaintop. Okay, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's by design. And also, it's sort of a challenge for me to just keep things as small and neat as possible because it is, in a way, its own creative form. So I know Dr. Dr. Kosh would definitely be one to testify to that <laughs> that's right yeah he's still teaching the flash fiction and um mm-hmm. you know he's like the evangelist for flash <laughs> yeah uh-huh. um do you have a, a few of these you'd like to share so you want to pick out a couple yeah sure okay all right so i have one from october 29th because that's the best way to do some of these some of them have titles and some of them don't my genetics had a lot to say in my development as did my parents who deferred to the powers that be to name me. If I had red hair like my mother, Valerie, had my hair been dark like my father's, Erica, 
I was born at one in the afternoon with a few blonde sprouts and thus another Jillian burst forth a sunbeam. It's a good name, albeit a little formal and suits my personality. Still, it's hard not to wonder who I might be today if I had only been a shade different. Would I have been brave, happy? Would I have been easier to love? Some of them are dark. Some of them, I'm like, this is just sad girl shit all the time. <laughs> That's okay. We need sad girl shit in the world. Yeah. It's important. And, and in a way, I kind of think of it as like uh, a little cyber diary too. This one feels that way. It feels a little mm-hmm. bit like a journal entry. But uh, the last line, what I've been easier to love is really the, uh-huh. the killer. Like that's that, mm-hmm. that really kind of seals the deal. Yeah. And then so sometimes when I'm not feeling particularly creative, I, um, I have those oblique strategies cards, as you know. Shout out to Dave Blank at Padula Rasso for uh, the oblique strategies. He yeah. was really happy to hear that you had gotten this up. I love that. But yeah, <laughs> so I'll pull a couple of them and rearrange words into like a found a little found poem in my head i'm like oh this is a short quick thing to do it's not it's not quick it takes me like half an hour an hour (laughs) but that's okay so this one is from october 13th and i'll read it and then i'll read the original cards that oh this one came from an oblique strategy it did yeah Critical. Look at the most important ambiguities, less specifics, to remove more, tidy up, and often be the thing, the thing and things which you do most easily convert. Order is forgotten. And so the cards that I made that little poem out of are the following. Uh, Look at the order in which you do things. The most important thing is the thing most easily forgotten. Remove specifics and convert to ambiguities. Tidy up. Be less critical more often. Mm-hmm. So you just mixed and matched all those cards into a yeah. found poem. Yeah, exactly. So that's a fun one. Let's see. Uh, By the way, were, were, were those oblique strategies cards, are they easy to find? Like if you want to buy them, like are they still in print? So- or did you have to buy them on eBay or something? I had to buy them. I think I bought them through, I don't want to say it was Oblique Strategies website, but it was something very similar. Like, I don't know if it was, I definitely looked up just Oblique Strategies cards. It wasn't from eBay. And I had someone get them to me for me as a gift for Christmas. But I think it was like, there's an Oblique Strategies, excuse me, uh, like generator that will just pull one for you online. And then Uh they also sell the cards. Got it. I do not think they came from the United States, though. The currency was Great British Pound. So (laughs) it took me forever to get here, too. Okay. um, All right. And then I have one from the September 28th. This is just a fun little flash between two characters I developed. This one, too, I thought would be really quick and was not. (laughs) (laughs) I think someone is raising pigeons. There's a trio flip-flop flapping across the alley from one window to another. They weren't there when I moved in. They're just existing. Leave them alone. Rats with wings, Charlie says to herself. 
their distractions? How can I work with their chaotic coups echoing through my living room? They're all trying to fuck the female. Sounds like quite the drama. Maybe they're polyamorous, I say, using my shoulder to hold the phone against my ear as I sort the mail. An envelope festooned with the Pennsylvania state seal catches my attention, no doubt containing a summons for jury duty. Balls. I mean, joy. It's the gift of performing my civic duty. I wouldn't put it past any creature, a culture of non-commitment. Now you're being dramatic. Just bitter. Charlie laments not for the first time today. Still, a shadow feeling goes through my arm. Pity for her and for me. You'll find your person. Maybe. She pauses, then speaks with a burst of energy. Maybe I'll find two people or three. Wouldn't that be something? Stranger things have happened, I say, but lose my words in a sudden thrash of wings. Nice. That feels like we're sort of cutting into something like like in media race. How did this one even sort of start for you? (laughs) So I have a slight obsession. The way my apartment is, there's like an alleyway cut in between two of our buildings, but only through half of the building. So like my bedroom and living room are bigger than my kitchen and bathroom. Uh, But there's a window leading out into the alleyway and some of the siding on the next door building has lifted up and pigeons have made a home in there. And I just hear their cooing all the time, which I actually don't mind. It's very soothing. But when it first happened, I was obsessed with these pigeons and just seeing them flying across and across and across and figuring out what's happening. So I I wrote a few pieces about that. And it's just my little obsession. Uh, okay. And then the last one I'll read is from a while back. This is one of my favorites and it's from June 9th. It's like the fourth one I've ever written. It's called Cherry. I think you would do well in a zombie apocalypse. Mom said to me one morning as we put away the groceries, you would turn off your humanity really fast. She was confident in her assessment and smiled when she handed me the bags of fresh produce. I think of it often when I'm in my kitchen cutting red foods, beets, tomatoes, cherries. Would I turn it off? Take a paring knife and slide it easily around a once human heart like I do a cherry. Take my thumbs to the flesh and dig out teeth and bone like I do the stony pit. Like it as much as I do when the thin dark juice stains my fingertips, bleeds into my nail beds. Only time will tell. What do you like about that one? So my mom actually said that to me, <laughs> that I would do well in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Is this a compliment or backhanded yeah. compliment? Like, how <laughs> was, are we supposed to construe this? Yeah, it was very much a thank you moment. Um, <laughs> but no, so this one, actually, I've had an image of someone cutting cherries with a, a paring knife in my brain forever, and I didn't know where to put it. I just think it's such a beautiful image between the color and there's that threat of violence in there, even when it's not present. I just always kind of wanted to know what to do with it. And when I started writing these little things, I thought of that image and I'm like, well, how can I make something out of that? And then shortly thereafter, I remembered what my mom said and I'm like, oh, there it is. (laughs) Perfect. It's great when you you make those creative mm-hmm. connections and you can stitch those threads and it, something new happens mm-hmm. out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, you've been, uh, I'm sure you've been getting lots of good feedback from these Instagram stories. 
and you you keep doing them and what can we share your instagram account if people want to follow yeah sure it is writer without a cause because i have no idea what i'm doing with it and i am just writing what i want how i want and when i can beautiful so you can follow jill at that at that account writer without a cause all one word and uh, you have some other news to report. Now, this was from earlier in the year, correct? You had um, a publication to celebrate. Yes. Can you able to tell us about that? Yeah, I um, I had my first actual short story published. Yay. I think many moons ago, I had a poem published when I was fresh out of Widener. But yeah, this is my first piece of fiction. So this is very exciting. It's called Problem Visit. And there's a feminist sort of feel to it. It's very much um, a female-centered piece, which was interesting. It was the first time I've really, you know, started submitting work, A, but B, really having to dig into different literary journals and find one that I knew this would belong to because you don't want to waste anyone's time. I don't want anyone wasting my time. So it took me a little while, but yes, it was published back in the summer in a fields blind literary, which writes, or excuse me, publishes a lot of sort of women-centered work. Yeah. So I'm very happy that they liked it and that, you know, it ended up there. It's a great uh, little journal. Uh, what's a, what's a quick thumbnail summary of the piece? Essentially this woman <laughs> goes to a Planned Parenthood for a problem visit. She believes she has a UTI and she's sitting in the waiting room. And she sort of gets into this argument type conversation with this young woman across the way as they're waiting to be seen by the provider. And it's really about, you know, our perceptions of one another and ourselves and how we project onto other people things that we feel about ourselves and judge them. And also, it's a little bit about, in another way, like how. It sounds so silly to say, but it's only taboo if you make it taboo. Women's issues are a thing for everyone. So, <laughs> and I read this piece. You, you shared an mm -hmm. earlier draft yes. of it, correct? Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled that you got it published. Yeah, you and Dr. Kosh as well. You guys are my my go tos. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. So, congrats on that. We'll share a link to it in our show description so people can uh, have yeah. a read through. Cool. Now, in addition to, so it's really cool how you're kind of, um, you're doing the writing at home while you're working from mm -hmm. home. And then you're also doing the Instagram thing, which I think is a really great valid avenue to pursue. And you're generating interest on that front. But then you're also doing stuff in the real world, not just the virtual world. So can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about what's happening with the literary scene in Philly? They, I, I know you've been involved in some um, some community activities where I think that's been very helpful, helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, local bookstore, a novel idea on past young does a lot of events and readings and things like that. They did do a big, uh, we did community drafts for a while. I think they're still going on. I haven't been to the last couple just because of uh, scheduling conflicts, which is hilarious because I'm home most of the time. But um, yeah, the literary scene in Philly is really starting to open up. They tried really hard to, maintain a scene during covid you know virtually and whatnot but now that things are outside more 
people are getting together more and it seems to be really conducive and really lively. I know there was a reading recently right at the Singing Fountain because one of the owners of a novel idea on Pass Young uh, had a new book published, which is great for her, called Creole Conjurics, Christina Rosso, Creole Conjure. But yeah, they had a nice book signing and things like that. So yeah, I um, as I said, I haven't been able to go to the few community drafts, but I do really try to be involved in whichever way I can, any way I can, when I can, because, <laughs> you know, writing is a solitary activity when you're doing it, but that doesn't mean that you go through it alone and community is so important. And having gone back into it after a couple of years, I've had to sort of reestablish my network of people. Um, and that's why I've attended a lot of the Widener's uh, events as well, virtually. So I know you. Uh, there was the uh, open mic for homecoming. I was at that. And mm-hmm. there have been a few events over the semester I've been to. Yeah. And really just trying to find my my creative people. <laughs> and has that worked out well? Like, you Have you met people and kind of forged some new friendships uh, that way? Yeah, yeah, I really have. And then I did, I did take a, my big COVID purchase was I went to a writing workshop in North Carolina in October. Oh, wow. Um, Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was Wild Awakenings was what it was called. Um, and it was in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And uh, Cheryl Strayed, who wrote Wild, was actually like the keynote. Her and Rhoda Ahmed who writes children's books and she wrote a best-selling novel in Norway. So it was the two of them as the speakers and it was like 350 women. There's a lot of estrogen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he spent the weekend in the mountains writing a whole bunch, sharing with different experiences. And I've met some really cool people and we managed to keep in touch and we actually have exchanged some work since then as well. So really trying to, figure out who, you know, are good readers for my work, who has the time, who's willing. And likewise, I enjoy reading other people's work and helping people to develop their craft as well. So really trying to establish those relationships with people has been a priority of mine Mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. It really is a two-way, three-way, four-way street. (laughs) It's like kind of like writing is obviously what we're very interested in pursuing but you have to read a lot Uh to be a good writer and then read other people's work and give them Mm -hmm. feedback and then seek feedback from others for your work and one hand washes the other and then like attend people's um, book signings and events and Mm -hmm. like just get involved like that's just that's I think I think often students don't see that fuller picture because of the way Mm -hmm. you know the way education happens and whatever yeah like but like once you get out into the real world, that's that's how the game is played. And it's really important. Oh, yeah. It's really important. And it's a lot more fun, like you said, because it's yeah. a solitary craft. And you you kind of go out of your mind if you're just in a room writing all the time. Oh, yeah. And you never really progress either if you're only right. ever around your own work. And I mean, it is a lot of fun. But yeah, I don't think people are always aware that it requires a lot of energy. If you want to be a writer, you really have to want to be a writer and you have to do the things that come with it. Right. (laughs) 
exactly. And a lot of this happens outside the context of education. That that's important to oh, point yeah. out too. Like, there's so mm -hmm. many writers who are not like in the orbit of MFA programs or PhD mm -hmm. programs or undergraduate programs or any of that. Like, and I'm sure you're coming across those people in Philadelphia all the time. Oh yeah, and it's really refreshing because I don't know if you remember, but I actually started an MFA program. And I left, it just wasn't for me. And I was going through, I had some personal things going on at the time, but trying to write and establish my network outside of that, while it's challenging because you don't have the network sort of built in, it also feels more organic. And I'm going to say it, um, it feels a little bit more pure because the people involved really want to do it and really want to help you. And that's really nice. <laughs> and it's, it's it's exciting and it is really inspiring to meet those kinds of people that just do it because they love it and they're just figuring it out the same as you. I don't know if you knew this, Jill, but um, you you attended AWP, the Associated mm -hmm. Writers and Writing Professors Conference. I don't know how many yeah. you went to. How many did you go to? Uh, Three. You were in a, you were in you were in the one in Boston. That's yeah. We all went up for that one. Boston, Chicago, Seattle. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and wow, you 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 got your money's busy. worth. That's <laughs> yeah, great. Did. Um, did you know the next AWP in the spring is in Philadelphia? Oh, I do, and I plan on going. Awesome! It's cool. in the city I live in. I can't. You've got to go. go. You, gotta, you'll walk, you can walk to it, probably. I could. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you at AWP. We'll have a, I think, yeah. a big slate of students along with us. Yeah. And we hope to check back in with you again soon, and have you share more writing and celebrate some more publications. Thanks for being on the English Suite. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You can follow Jill Benedict on Instagram at Writer Without a Cause. Jill recently published short story Problem Visit is online at BillsBlindLiterary.com. The English Suite is produced by Jim Esch and a staff of dedicated students at Widener University. Shapresa Yamaraj, Siana Bowers, Gabby Norris, Chloe B. Flamary, and Courtney Farina. You can find our podcast at anchor.fm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast directories. We would love to hear your feedback, announcements, and suggestions. Send an email to WidenerEnglishSuite at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.